You're listening to the Slaying Self-Doubt Podcast, where we empower women of faith to identify, acknowledge, and accept their doubts and limits and beliefs in order to give birth to their God-given purpose. Join me and sometimes some of my friends on our journey as we remind you that you are not alone. I'm Felicia Wallace, and together we will find our fears and slay them. Welcome back to another episode of the Slaying Self Dog Podcast. I am here with Quinn Taylor, the CEO of Tailoring Gratitude. Hey, Quinn, how you doing? Hey, Felicia, I'm doing good. How about you? I am great. Thank you so much for agreeing to be on the podcast. Um, I've read a little bit about your story, and so I, I'm definitely ready to dig in. But before we get started, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got started? Absolutely. Yeah. As you said before, my name is Quinn Taylor. I'm a chronic illness warrior, a patient advocate, and I am a speaker. Um, My story is at the age of 19, I was diagnosed with a chronic kidney disease. I was away at school um, and my body just started going crazy on me. Uh, I would have scabs over my legs from where my skin was tearing because my legs would be so swollen. Um, I was tired. I just didn't know what was going on. So I came home um, and was diagnosed with chronic kidney disease. Um, I went on to go to school. I graduated. I was in grad school full time, working full time as a mental health social worker. And I went in for a doctor's appointment. And they told me that my kidney function was declining rapidly and that I needed to get ready to start dialysis. Wow. Well, dialysis wasn't completely foreign to me. Uh, yeah imagine that at about 23 24 years old yeah so um dialysis it wasn't completely foreign to me my dad had been on dialysis since I was before I was born Mm. um but you know I grew up knowing what it was I always tell the story you know I'm kind of uh older seasoned as I like to say so back in my grammar school days they still taught about gender roles and the mom stayed home and took care of the kids and cooked Mm. and the dad went to work and you know and I raised my hand and I had my little advocate voice then and I was like no the mom goes to work and the dad goes to dialysis <laughs> and it was like we have to sit her down and talk to her and explain <laughs> life to her <laughs> um but yeah so it was one thing growing up with dialysis and something completely different becoming the patient yeah so at the age of 27 I started dialysis at the same time, I actually became my dad's primary caregiver. Um, wow. He had a kidney transplant for 10 years. And at the same time I started dialysis, his kidney went out. Mm. Um, so you talk about adjustment, um, trying to adjust being on dialysis and then being someone's caretaker um, and having to grieve and give up a life I had planned for myself. Yeah. Um, if I had my way, I would have been, I was in school to become a psychologist. Mm-hmm. So I would have been a psychologist, saving the world, married with two and a half kids, a white picket fence and a dog. Um, that didn't happen. Yeah. Um, and I had to grieve that life. I also had to grieve the life that I, I knew because um, when you get diagnosed with a chronic illness, it doesn't come with a handbook. Mm-hmm. There's no roadmap on how to figure life out with it. So um, after a couple of years on dialysis, I decided that I wanted to get a transplant. Um, and I also made some life decisions. Um, you know, I was wondering what my life was going to be like now that I had, you know, kind of felt, what could I make of my life? And I decided I wanted dialysis. I was going to have dialysis. It wasn't going to have me. 
And that's when I started to implement gratitude in my life, um, mm-hmm. being grateful for what I had, because a lot of times we don't, we take things for granted and we don't appreciate or become grateful for things until we lose them. And I didn't want to be grateful for things that I had um, because I was thinking about the things I lost. I want to be grateful for everything in the present. So in case something happens, I can say, hey, I appreciated life to the fullest. And so I began advocating. Um, You know, I began to speak up for other people until they can find their voice. I always say I got enough mouth for me and everybody else. (laughs) Um, And and this ad, look, I do. Um, And so, and during this advocacy, um, it gave me purpose Mm. within dialysis. Um, I had a purpose and my purpose was to educate, empower, and um, encourage patients that your life doesn't end with this diagnosis. There's a way to manage life with a diagnosis. Um, I went through this journey of getting transplanted. I had to lose weight. I was able to do that. Um, And I remember... Uh, it was in 2015 I had um, a treatment on a Wednesday and I remember just being in a really bad place Mm. like everybody I got listed I was on the transplant list and everybody kept telling me it's going to happen soon you're healthy you're young it's Mm going to happen and it was another year and a half and Mm. here I was still stuck in this chair getting these treatments and I remember praying to God just like crying out like I give this to you because I can't carry this no more. Yeah. Um, it's breaking me. Mm. And the, ne- the next morning at 3.30 in the morning, I got a call saying they had a kidney for me. Um, they asked me how soon can you be in the house at the hospital? I said, uh, give me 10 minutes and I'll be there. <laughs> I know that's right. <laughs> um, and the crazy thing about faith is I had actually packed my transplant hospital bag like a year later and I would carry it with me in faith. Wow. Like, you know, I'm going to need this. And when I got ready to go to the hospital, I grabbed, grabbed it and went bag. to the hospital. Yeah. Look, if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. Listen. <laughs> um, so um, I went in, got the transplant. And I remember the first time I remember waking up after the surgery, I was in ICU. And the world was brighter. Colors mm. were brighter. It was like I was seeing for the first time again um, in years. Wow. And so after that, um, I came home and I recovered. And six weeks to the day after I got transplanted, my dad passed away um, suddenly. No precursors. It it just happened. And um, I always say my kidney was a double gift. Not only did someone give you know, make the selfless decision to give me a second chance at life. um, And I wanted to honor their life, but it when I was hit with the darkest, absolute darkest moment of my life, my kidney saved my life because my kidney um, is what encouraged me to keep going when I didn't know what life was going to be like without my dad. So I I moved forward, um, found my voice and my purpose and advocacy. And um, I started tailoring gratitude to pass it I, I have a, I believe, well, I have a servant's heart. I believe in the importance of serving others. Mm. And so my purpose um, in this business purpose is to help other patients um, deal with their chronic illness disease and help them to develop a healthy relationship with that disease. Yeah. Wow. That is just a powerful story. It was 
a, a few things in it that stood out to me that I really wanted to kind of dig deep in um, before we get to talking about how, you know, your self-doubt showed up. Um, but one thing that you said that I think is so, so important um, is that you grieve when you knew you had the um, the diagnosis, right? You mm-hmm. took the the time to grieve the life that you you thought you that you could have had right like Mm -hmm. a lot of times we get hit with different things so like for me um I shared prior to this that um while we were offline but my audience knows that I had Bell's palsy and I've suffered from it for the last I don't know 18 years 20 18 19 years something like that um Mm -hmm. and I don't think it was until today right like in real real timing or like now that I was in a space where I was able to grieve the life like you said grieve the life that I thought I could have because I I looked at it as a hindrance right I looked at it as if it was a setback or was going to stop me from something and that stopped me for a very 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 long time and so when you said that for me it triggered something of like what if I had let it go before what if I had um allowed myself to just be like it is what it is or or that that God is going to use it for he's good which he which he did anyway whether I grieved it or not but uh, talk to us about how important it is for um, no matter what the situation is, whatever we're going through, how important it is for you to just be in the moment of whatever news you get. So it's interesting you bring that up because um, in my in my ebook, Resetting Your Day in Gratitude, I actually talk about reflecting on things in the past, not mm. to stay in the past, mm-hmm. but sometimes our healing is when we go back and say to ourselves, if I had did this differently, how would it affect my now? Wow. Um, you know, like you said, if I had let it go earlier, how would it affect my now? Um, and a lot of times we don't understand if we can go back and kind of unpack how to do things differently, mm-hmm. we can break a chain that's mm. holding us in the in the present. Yeah, We can break a chain um, that's, keeping us from freedom and from healing. I know for me, um, um, so yeah, we have to be honest with ourselves. A lot of times we try, you know, we move forward as if nothing has happened. Mm-hmm. And so true. It, you just can't do that because it's going to reveal itself in some way, whether you become angry. A lot of people can become angry. Yeah. And as we know, a lot of times anger is attached to pain. Mm-hmm. And you're you're angry because you're hurt that your life has changed and you had no control over it. Mm. You didn't get to do anything. You didn't get to pick anything. Your life decided to change. Or as I like to say, I'm a, a woman of faith. You know, God came and made his own you control over it and you're trying to grasp at something to take in control and you yeah yeah Um, and you just have to sit and you have to process it you have to feel those feelings and then you have to figure out your way of dealing with it and coming to peace with it and that's why I say about finding out the type of relationship you want to have with your illness Mm. um because the thing is, the way I say it, it's like a marriage, right? Yeah. Um, it, it's not going anywhere. 
Right. You know, it is going to be there. And you have to figure out, um, just like in a marriage, how to how to adjust to being with another person, how to accept a person for who they yeah. are, how to live, how to live with this person mm-hmm. and how you want to, def- how you want your, what type of relationship you want to have with your, yeah. your spouse, your significant other. And that's kind of how your disease is. You can hate it or you can accept it and embrace it and you can be free. And I always say that was my thing. I didn't want to carry, look, it's enough dealing with pain, symptoms, mm. medication, side effects. I didn't want to carry the um, heavy feelings with it. I wanted to be free. Yeah. Um, and so grieving allows you to free yourself up to live the life that, write your narrative. A lot of times people, they kind of put on you how they feel a life with chronic illness should be. No, you decide the life you want to live and you write that narrative for yourself yeah that no yeah that is so so true like just allowing yourself to grieve creates that space for freedom so um yeah thank you for that thank you for sharing your story like I I appreciate that so as you you know once you went through you know the diagnosis and you're going through um the dialysis you get the transplant all those things and you're creating tailoring gratitude um I get well not even that even throughout this whole thing how has uh self I always do this I always say how is slaying self-doubt no (laughs) (laughs) how has self-doubt showed up in your journey um self-doubt shows up frequently in the journey um and it 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 reveals itself at the most um I don't want to say weird but it it shows itself kind of out of nowhere right so um you know for me it's like you know I'm I'm going into this business and I don't feel qualified Mm. like I didn't finish school yeah you know, I didn't finish the degrees and all of this stuff, but I, I've learned that, you know, I didn't get the degree in school, but I got a life degree yeah. and the life experience really does. Um, it, it gives you a different way to relate to people. Yeah. Um, you know, when you have a chronic illness, sometimes you feel like a, um, a liability to people opposed mm. to an asset mm. because you have so much stuff that kind of comes with you you know you don't know how you're going to feel day to day and a lot of times I feel people with chronic illnesses we we doubt ourselves because we don't want to feel like a, a burden almost. Yeah. Um, like we, we hide the fact we have these illnesses because we feel you know how you know if they find out they might fire me because they feel like too much mm. um so then you doubt your abilities you doubt what you offer Mm. Um, and so that that manifested for me um, self doubt because I, as I said a couple minutes ago uh, I have brain fog. A lot of people with chronic illnesses, whether it's medication um, or just your illness, you you experience brain fog. And brain fog basically is um, you have troubles, you, you you have challenges with comprehending, with gathering your thoughts, with focusing. Yeah. And for me, that was hard because you know, um, I, I'm an intelligent person, but that can make me feel not smart. Yeah. And it's not that I'm not smart. It's just that I have things, challenges and things that I have to work through. Yeah. Um, is my, is my voice 
is it valuable? Mm. Um, I tell people sometimes when you tell people you're disabled or you have an illness, disabled doesn't mean um, like I'm handicapped, but I'm not stupid. Right, right, and, right, yeah. You know, and yeah. sometimes people will, will, will treat you that way and it's not intentional. Um, it's just a, a lack of understanding. Yeah. And so um, when you kind of go through that, it, it'll make you feel like, Am I am are people going to see me as valuable? Are they mm. going to hear what I have to say? Um, and though your value shouldn't come from other people, you still want to feel heard when you're expressing or sharing vulnerable part vulnerable parts of yourself. Yeah. Um, you know, self doubt comes up, and then it's just regular self doubt you have when you have chronic illness. It does funky things to your body. I have so many scars. Um, and you know. Sometimes when you do things in public, you want to cover all that up because mm. you don't want to be judged. Yeah. And I, I'm just a, a believer that my scars are my beauty marks and my battle wounds, depending on how tough I feel that day. Yeah. Because um, you don't want to get asked a bunch of questions. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you feel yourself always having to explain things to other people, especially um, chronic invisible illness when you don't look sick. Yeah. Um, you know, people, you, you find that you have to defend yourself all the time um, or explain or make people understand. And That's draining. It's <laughs> draining. You have to constantly prove you're sick. Yeah. Um, and it's not many other things in the world where you have to go around trying to prove things to people all the time. Something that you know, you know, you know what you know. So Yeah, um, yeah. It, it makes it doubtful. Yeah. yeah, no, I could I could totally see that um, as being um, with, like I said, draining and it being a struggle and how, you know, self-doubt shows up like just throughout it. Like I always say, this is a journey. It doesn't matter what you're going through. But when you have a chronic illness or um, something that is a hindrance that either that people do see, right, or they don't see, um, it puts you personally in a different state. And sometimes it's not even what they see. It's, a lot of times it's how you view yourself, right? Like for me with Bell, mm-hmm. Bell's palsy, unless you knew me before 2002, I look like this all the time, right? Like you don't know what I look like before I had Bell's palsy. And so for me, it's it's my own self-doubt, right? It was my own insecurity that I was just like, yeah, but I, I look like this before, right? And it sounds so vain, like now, like, no, you don't know what my face look like, but it doesn't change it didn't change who my who I am. It didn't change who I was as a person. It didn't change God's purpose for my life. It didn't change Absolutely. any of those things. However, it delayed some stuff because I was so stuck on what, what I wanted it to be or what it could have been or how I, I, I wanted to, I prayed it away. Like, okay, God, like what I need to do to, to get rid of it. Like, what do I need to do? And it was like nothing. You, you you're just going to have it and you, and you're going to keep moving. That's what you're going to do. Yeah. Um, so what have you learned about yourself during this journey that you didn't know before? Um, I've learned a lot about myself. But I think the thing I've learned the most about, usually I don't even say, you know, I go by Queen and Taylor, but I, I'm going to get real with you, authentic. Um, the thing <laughs> Thank <you>. I learned <laughs> most, <laughs> the thing I've learned most about Quinetta is that um, I have, um, life is so much bigger than me. Mm. When you get a diagnosis like that, you want to feel bad. Mm. 
you want to be stuck. You want to kick, have a fit. You want to do all of that stuff. Yeah. Um, and like you said, you want to pray it away. You want mm-hmm. to ask God, take this away from me and all of this stuff. And I can remember coming to a place where I, that what I learned about me was God knew about this and he purposed this for me before I was even born, mm, right? Yes, yes. So that means when he made me, he gave me all of the tools that I need to make it through this journey and not only to make it through this journey, but use this journey for his glory. Yes, yes. So it was never about me. Mm. I just got chosen to take this journey, but I am merely a vessel. Come on. To to be preaching in here. (laughs) (laughs) I am merely a vessel that he placed on this earth for his children to help those who need encouragement, inspiration. Yes. Who need to know, hear stories and reminders about the goodness of him, what he's able to do and that he keeps his promises. Yes. Um, That he can use anybody. Because I would say I'm a nobody just trying to tell somebody about him yeah um you know so that's the thing I learned the most this it, it you know and I, I even say I'm an only child so um you know we got a reputation people say we kind of you know selfish and bragging <laughs> I mean I don't think so you know I, I don't think so but I, I'll give it to him but um no it, it's been the most humbling lesson to learn that and people don't like to hear it's not about you yeah yeah it Oh, that hurts them. You want to hurt somebody, tell them it's not about you. Yeah. Um, but to learn that about myself, that it's not about me. It's about something so much bigger than me. Um, and that I that I have the ability to fall eight times and get up nine. Mm-hmm. Um, I I have in real uh, life. Literally. <laughs> I said I done fell and hit the wall and passed the look. Um, and that I have courage that I didn't know I had mm. um a courage that has been given to me um to just to step out in boldness and in faith to to do what I know I'm purpose to do even though it's uncomfortable yeah um, and I think you understand this is Absolutely. not always <laughs> it's not comfortable just kind of telling you yeah. know all you you know but it's bigger than me and so yeah. this courage and fear carries me through and then you look back and say well that was well done thank you god for you yeah and the crazy part about it is i was actually listening to something uh not too long ago it's like if that's what we want to hear right mm-hmm. well done that good and faithful servant like then we have to do the work and then we have and and a part of what one of the things you said is service right you're not you don't serve yourself you serve if you are serving you I'm not serving myself I serve others right and so one of the biggest things I always say is that it's it's, it's about community and I'm very clear now I may not have been so much in the beginning but very much so now that you know our obedience is connected to somebody somewhere. So if we don't do what we're supposed to do, whoever the next person is that's supposed to do their thing, um, it, 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 it will not happen. Right. Um, I did an episode, um, a couple of months ago and 
I, I, I can't remember, but I'm, I think it's with Natalie Melton. I don't know the name of it. So y'all can go back and listen. But um, another guest episode where um, I talked to her about she held an event um, um, in our area. It's called Celebrating Melanin. It was a one time thing. Right. Because then the whole world mm-hmm. shut down. Right. Um, <laughs> but it was literally the month after I left my full time job to pursue Slaying Self-Doubt full time. And it was for entrepreneurs. And I was like, I don't think I should go. And my sister was like, no, go. Like, you should totally do it. And I went and it was, oh my gosh, the experience was a freaking amazing. And it was a, a point in the um in the night where every person was supposed to give their like logos or whatever. And so when you signed up, you gave it. And so she was literally putting them all on a uh, projector like throughout the night. And so I get a text from another friend of the picture of it and I'm like what is she looking at because I wasn't I the way my back was my back was too like where the projector was so I had to turn around and I looked and I was like oh my god that's me right and so for me it was like that was the moment that I knew like this is real it is that you have to move forward it's this this right here is a, a real thing so in that conversation she says to me that celebrating melanin was a god ordained thing like she literally it started out as something else and God told her to do something completely different and she did it. And and it was literally in that conversation where it was like a full circle obedience because had she not been obedient, it would not have pushed me, propelled me forward to do that, which then wouldn't have allowed me to be obedient to continue to do. And, and then on top of that, then, you know, she's on the show and I'm doing, the, you know, interviewing yeah. her on the episode. And even still, when I first started this, Slaying Self-Doubt was... It was about me sharing my journey. But then once I realized, like you say, it's not about me. It's not just about me. And someone else has a story that they need to tell. And if I have the platform to be able to say, say your truth, right? It's freeing to be able to say your truth. Then I'm not doing my job if I'm trying to keep it all to myself. No, come on, y'all. Come come on over here and and, and tell the truth and the whole whole truth, okay? Um, And so it it is definitely... um, it's a good feeling when you know that you're doing exactly what your purpose to do. And, and when you're doing that, it, it, even as difficult as it is, is in the uncomfortable moments when you really don't feel like it, um, when you're being pushed and you like, you, you want me to go there? That's what you want me to do today? Like, yeah. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. You do it anyway, right? You do it anyway. Yes, you do. So let's and, talk. Um, oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, it's just, it's, it's such a testament to the um, the thought that the most safest place to be is in the perfect will of God. It'll never leave you. Amen. Home. Amen. Yeah. So let's talk about tailoring gratitude. Um, yes. And let me just tell you that for whatever reason, I, I'm telling y'all, sometimes I'd be, I'd be, I'd be smacked. Like, I just don't pay attention. Like, it sometimes it takes a minute for stuff to click, right? Whole yeah. time, I just realized tailoring is like your last name. It was a play on words that, <laughs> um, yeah. And believe me, it, it happens with other people. Um, but yeah, it, it was a play on words because of my last name being Taylor. Yes. Um, and that's what we do. We tailor gratitude to fit your life. Mm. Um you know, everybody has a different way of expressing gratitude. Yeah. Some people um, is doing kind acts for others. Some people it's prayer. Some people it's um, 
you know, affirmations, journaling, things mm-hmm. like that. And every way is right. You just have to figure out the way that's right for you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then with having a chronic illness, you know, sometimes we have obstacles that keep us from doing certain things, you mm. know. So it's about and life becomes overwhelming, you know, uh, mental health overlaps with chronic invisible illnesses very much yeah and so it's you're not just fighting the physical illness you're fighting for your mental health and your spirit Mm. and so we want to find ways to help you implement gratitude in your life because it's scientifically proven that when you exercise gratitude it it makes you better it Mm. makes you feel better it's healing let's Mm. talk about that it's healing yeah um and so when you're already going through so much I just I, I I believe wholeheartedly that God will always give you beauty for ashes. Mm. So if you take the time to 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 give to feed your spirit something that's going to help you feed the the world, um, blessings come down. So yeah. I just want to help other patients to maneuver and manage their illnesses um, through tailoring gratitude. Um, and it's not you know. It's so many different kind of illnesses. And just to take it to a different level, I also, my my thing is to really empower and encourage Black women with chronic illnesses. Yeah. Um, a lot of times, Black women don't even know they have chronic illnesses because they're just moving. Yeah, um, girl. <laughs> they're just moving and they're just kind of, oh, you know, I, you know, they as women we are nurturers and we think of everybody else and ourselves last and I just want to really spread this message of take care of you you're important and without you um who keeps it not who keeps it going but you're necessary yeah and so um just about you know implementing the gratitude having self-compassion having time for self-care I think being through this pandemic people have kind of learned on a different level, how important self-care is. Yeah. Everybody is so busy on the hustle, on the grind, trying to move, but what good is all of the that if you can't even enjoy it? No, you're absolutely right. And what's so interesting about what you said about moving and hustling and just we're always on the go, right? Um, During this time of, you know, kind of, well, not kind of, but during this time of being on quarantine, some other issues that I've had, you know, health issues for myself came up. And I was like, I don't understand, you know, and it it was really, I I figured it out as I was trying to get healthy. Like, I'm like, oh, well, I have the time. Let me do the things. And then I had to take it back and was like oh no whenever I think about it I kind of always been like this or I've always ate this way or didn't eat this way or didn't do this or didn't do that mm-hmm. and it's like now that I've been able to sit with it and realize that I just ignored those same pains I ignored that discomfort I ignored those things I was like ah, I'll just worry about that later I don't have time and now that I actually have the time I'm like okay no we need to go get all the tests all the things let's let's figure out what's wrong because Truly. now I'm like what could this be you know and when yeah. you think about that um I've shared on here before like I've had uh, cholesterol issues and I've I've known it probably for some years at least my youngest son is 10 so at least nine right and Mm -hmm. I've always said I'm gonna do it I'm gonna do it and so this year I finally said yes but now you know my I did a whole I got older you know I'm 40 now so I had to do this whole like cardiovascular assessment and my risk factor is high 
right yeah. and so it's like I'm literally taking a baby aspirin every day. And, you know, when you think about that, like, (laughs) I'm like, I worked in healthcare for over 15 years. I know why it's prophylactic. It's so that my heart don't stop. And so when, when it, when it, it literally like now in my brain, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, you could have, you could have done this at 31 or you could have done this at 30 and made sure that you were healthy. Like now all those things that you put to the side, like, yeah, okay, great. It's, you know, here's the other thing about like grieving and understand where you are. You say go backwards and, you know, just understand like, okay, it is what it is, but now I can do something different. Uh, You know, I told my sister about it. She was like, oh, that's so scary. And I was like, I mean, yeah and no. I was like, what I didn't want to take is cholesterol medication, right? Like, so if right. I just got to take a prophylactic pill, because that don't have no side effects. Like, it's aspirin, right. right? People take that for a headache. Um, So I'm like, and it's low dose on top of that. But I'm like, if I just need to take that and continue my lifestyle change, because my numbers did go down, I, it will it will be it will be better but I'm like the, the difference is when you have and I, we've all seen this right where you have people who have a diagnosis they just take the medicine and they don't change they continue with the same lifestyle and it's like you do know that's that don't make it just because you're taking the medicine don't make it go away right, right. um yeah. But it's just acknowledging kind of where you are and like you said being grateful for the space that you've been given and when you are grateful, it makes it very difficult for you to be upset because you're like, it's almost like smiling, right? Like if you're yeah. smiling and trying to tell somebody something negative, like you can't, it don't work. It don't work. <laughs> it don't you, work. you feel the joy, you feel the happiness. So when you're doing something and, and gratitude, even for yourself and where you are, but also in, in, in regards to like service and doing for others, just like being grateful for other people's or sharing other people's accomplishments and encouraging them in their journey. Like when I get to do these interviews, I am like, I'm filled with so much joy when I get off of these calls, because I'm like, yeah. number one, we out here killing it. Right. Because we're walking in our purpose, despite Absolutely. what could be right. And we are grateful for the fact that God said, no, I need you. And yes, I am calling yeah. you. And I don't care if you didn't hung up on me about 37 times, I'm going to keep leaving you a voicemail. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to keep ringing until you pick up. And so when we answer the call, it's like, I, I can't, I can't turn back. I cannot, I can't. And you, then what happens is, is that I can't be mad. I cannot be upset about where my life has been because if it had not been for him, hmm. who, who knows where I would be. Right. So all I can hmm. be is grateful that despite my foolishness and all of the mess that I create for myself, he still saved me. He still wants to use me and he still providing protecting all of that like and it just be so that's a whole nother word (laughs) y'all look at that grace and that mercy Mm. is sufficient more than sufficient um and he is the god of second chances how many times has he i i and i can speak for myself i know he told me to do Taylor and gratitude more than a few times and i was like "Mm, not right now guys Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. the way my life set up i I don't think it's you know i'm just Let's talk about it again a little yeah. bit later. Um, knowing I should have moved forward. But like I said, he's a guy of second chances. And just because you you move in disobedience yes. does not mean that he still won't let the the plan and the the um 
the the assignment be completed yeah you're absolutely right yeah Yeah. you are absolutely right thank you so much Quinn for uh, joining us today like I'm so this was such a great conversation and I appreciate you sharing your story and um just being honest even with your the your black girl with the big name okay because felicia i i get it all the time like how you pronounce that how you phonetically feel isha that's what it say okay <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> but um i am so grateful for you just um just being on here and just um sharing your story and your journey and i can't wait to see what's going to come from this because i know like it it this is right now I've seen so many people like talking about these chronic illnesses and it being like especially in our communities about how we've ignored them or how we feel ignored right and so this this is your time sis this is your time to really just just go out there and and kill it so how can people connect with you Absolutely. You can find me on social media. You can find me on Instagram at Taylor and Gratitude, LinkedIn at Taylor and Gratitude and Facebook at um, Taylor and Gratitude. You can always visit my website, www.taylorandgratitude.com. <laughs> um, and you can always email me at info at www.taylorandgratitude.com. Look, I like to keep it simple. If I you listen. like me, uh, I can't remember a whole lot of different things at once. So if you keep it consistent, it's easier for people to remember and to access. But yes, you can always reach me there. If you reach, um, find me on Instagram, you can always DM me. I, I'm constantly talking to, um, talking to and encouraging people. So um, yeah, reach yes. out to me. Let's chat. Yes, thank you so, so much. Y'all know everything's going to be in the show notes. So um, even though she already told you where it's at, okay, tailoring right to period. That's exactly where it is. And that's um, what it is. And that is what it is. So thank you so much, Quinn. I appreciate you. Thank you for giving me this opportunity to share. And I truly appreciate you and what you're doing with helping people to know that they are more than enough and they can do it if they put their mind to it and keep pushing forward. We need to we need to help rewrite that narrative too. Yes. So blessings to you for that. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Always. We end every episode with the serenity prayer and it goes as follows. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. All right, y'all, that's all for this week. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to share, subscribe, rate, and review. Remember to head over to Facebook and Instagram and follow me at Slaying Self Doubt. Oh, wait, don't forget, go to my YouTube channel and watch this episode. And remember to press the subscribe button. Until next week, see ya. At LensCrafters, we value expertly tailored eye care, provide state-of-the-art eye exams, offer a wide assortment of designer brands and high-quality lenses, because everything we do at LensCrafters is for every site that makes your life special. We offer 50% off lenses with frame purchase, shop in-store and online. Book your annual eye exam now on LensCrafters.com. LensCrafters, because sight. Eye exams are available at the Independent Doctor of Optometry at or next to LensCrafters. Doctors in some states are employed by LensCrafters. Offer valid to April 2nd, 2023. See Associate for details.